All right, welcome to Unvarnished, powered by DScoop, where we talk to printers, partners, and subject matter experts about trends, tips, and tricks from the print industry. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to someone who's been in the printing industry for 44 years and in sales marketing since 1978. This man has personally written over $100 million in business. Just as impressively, if not more, as a senior manager, he's had oversight of three quarters of a billion, that's right, with a B, in sales. His name is Bill Gillespie, and it's my distinct pleasure to be speaking with him today. Welcome, Bill. Thank you. I'm, I'm, wow, I'm excited to be here, excited to be doing this. I love the industry, and I love the people in it, love sharing. Obviously, we're living through a very unique situation uh, with COVID and, and everything that that's affecting. Um, in your 44 years, you've obviously seen ups and downs through the print industry. Is there, is there, and I know it's very unique what we're going through. Is there anything that you could take from some of those other situations, uh, and advice that you can give to people in, in sales right now that you can, that you could apply to today's situation? Well, I, I think so. And, and, you know, there's no denying that what's going on is awful and it's, uh, it's an intrusion and, uh, a disruption of our our fashion of doing business, no matter where you are, who you are. Uh, what I will say that I believe about times like this, and what I've seen before in other downturns, is that it uh, it puts every relationship at exposure or risk. The customer is open to new ideas; they're trapped too. You know, they're stuck themselves, and uh, so I think it really gives. The person that was on the outside looking in before COVID, uh, his situation hasn't changed, and and he can be as imaginative as he chooses to be, and and it, it, chances are, that that outsider uh, has an opportunity to invent some new way to get in front of a client, whether it's a cool video or whether it's a, a, a an idea they haven't seen, a technique they haven't seen that they choose to. Uh, shoot a little video of themselves and email that over to a prospect. There, there are lots of, um, how, do, how do I say it more succinctly? The, the, the playing field has been leveled a lot by what's going on, which I think creates opportunity for sales reps. It creates an opportunity, a challenge, but an opportunity for you to be creative rather than the routine um, sales activity or sales process that you've been following before. And, the people that I see that are being successful are doing indeed that they're, they're recognizing that, that, that client's desperate for information, that client's desperate for human contact. And let me figure out a way to show my personality and get in touch with those people through the vehicles that are available to me today. Kind of, uh, answers part of my next question here, but, uh, you know, the common thing that I keep hearing is, okay, now I have, I have a prospect list. With, with how different things are now, I can't stop in to see them. I, I can't I can't do things like that. It's hard to get them on the phone because of the work from home situation in many of these corporations or organizations. Um, what suggestions do you have to get in front of someone, even if it's virtually? Well, it was hard to get in front of people before COVID. I mean, the you know if I think about when I started in sales and. 1978, uh, you know, we, we, we drove our car to the local uh, 
office park, parked the car and got out and just walked door to door and walked in the front door and said, Hey, I'd like to see whoever buys the printing. And, and how, how do I get, how do I get five minutes in front of that person? And so, uh, you know, you got tossed out a lot, uh, but you also met some people. Well, those days and days like that have been gone for a long time. Voicemail, uh, email, all the virtual receptionists. There's not even anybody at the front desk. You know, it's been for years. It's been hard if you didn't know somebody to get in front of them um, without a without an invitation. So I think the truth of the matter is, is that uh, we, today's rep has more tools available to him to overcome that than we did for years and years and years in the past. Uh, and I don't think COVID has changed that. I, I think you can still research somebody on LinkedIn. I think you can still learn what you, uh, what's available about a contact that you want to, uh, a person that you want to be in contact with. And then you know, when you sit down to craft your email message, which is probably what you're going to do, or a, a note that you're going to send somebody, my advice is always the same, and that is write like you talk. Don't get fancy. Just put down in, in simple sentences, hey, I'm not going to make this be some dramatic thing that it is, and I'm a, you're a person that buys stuff, and I'm a person that sells stuff, and I sure would like to have a, a couple of minutes of your time, however I can get that, whether it's on the phone virtually, by an email conversation, face-to-face, whatever you'll allow to happen. I have some cool things to share that uh, even today might be uh, important to your business. And 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 so I, I don't know that that's changed as much as we want to act like it has. I, I actually think the people that were enjoying a relationship already are the ones that have been most interrupted. You know, the, 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 the cold caller, I don't know that his world's changed as much as we want to act like it has. No, it makes total sense. And it kind of leads into the next obvious question is, okay, so now you've done your research. Uh, you figured out how you can possibly contact them. You found an email address. Um, now, what do you say to them? Um, and, and when I, when I ask that, um, you know, I know you and I have had this conversation in the past, the difference between asking for just an order versus asking what kind of solution you can provide and or providing sample solutions in your email or a story of some sort to start the conversation. Well, it's, it's, it's as unique as the person that you're trying to do business with it. it you know, that's not a one size fits all answer. Or at least it never has been for me. If, um, if I'm trying to do business with someone in, say the convenience store business, a, a group that owns uh, multiple convenience stores. Uh, their model's not identical to Home Depot or Lowe's, but there are similarities. They're outfitting with point of purchase. They're outfitting with aisle interrupters. They're doing things at a retail level to influence buying decisions for customers that are in the, in the building, right? And so I'll make certain assumptions about that, given the space that I can see that they're in. And then whenever I create my, my introductory message and, it, and it's really not, you know, I'm very casual. So it's uh, it's not a big fancy thing. It's like, Hey, I'm sure you're facing some interesting challenges these days to do business. Uh, but, but you still have to influence people that are in your store. Um, I have some pretty cool experience in that space. I'd love to share with you some things I've seen work or others, is there any way I can earn a few minutes of your time? And, and, uh, 
I mean, the customer's not confused about what you're trying to do. We don't need to cloak it, you know, with some higher moral purpose. It's, uh, hey, you, you've got stores to outfit, and uh, I've got some experience with that, and is there any way I can earn a few minutes of your time? I mean, <laughs> it, it, it isn't much more complicated than that. I think sales reps make it more complicated, and that gets in their own way. But it, my experience, Chris, is that it really isn't any more complicated than, hey, you buy stuff. Hey, I sell stuff. I've got some pretty cool stories that I feel like, based on what I know about your business, you'll find interesting. Can I earn five minutes of your time just to bend your ear and see if, see if I guessed right? You know, and, and you, get, you get some no's, but you even get more yeses than you think. The nuance at which you just told me how you would put that email together is still different than some of the things that I've gotten, which are, we have COVID supply. Do you want to order some now? That's a lot different than what you just explained to me that, hey, I've, I've worked in this space and I know that you need to, here are your challenges and here are some things that I've done in the past that have taken care of those challenges. That's a lot different than, do you need face shields? here, order five, or, you know, here's an order form. Picking up the phone to call a perfect stranger is intimidating. You know, not, not, not <laughs> knocking on a door back 44 years ago and saying, hey, I want to see who buys the print. That's intimidating stuff. It's like asking for dates for a living. <laughs> you know, <laughs> There's a lot of rejection that goes with that. And, and, and it, makes, it makes you very, very uncomfortable. Consequently, I think people forget the best part of themselves a lot of times when they get ready to sell stuff, whether it's writing an email message or whether it's uh, writing a letter or leaving a voicemail or whatever. I, th I think they sometimes forget just to be regular folks. And I really think the regular person is a lot more likable than the, the, the artificial person they become because they think it's the right way to sell stuff. It's so just, just think about, Think, think about conversations you find yourself in with people you do business with and, and people that you've met for the first time that they just immediately put you at ease. There's something about their manner and you're just immediately at ease. And I don't think they can do that if they're pretending to be somebody that they're not or if they're wearing contrived language that doesn't really fit their mouth properly. You know, I just, I just learned a long time ago for me and it, it served me well. I can't can't force it on others. I haven't even been able to force it on my own sales teams through the years. But uh, for me, being casual but sincere, professional. I, I don't toss out my my professional side by being casual, but being casual but sincere has always served me well. Like, hey, I can't imagine how busy you are, Chris. You've got a business to run and, and you got a zillion things to do. And now you're hearing from another printer but i do have some fairly cool stuff to share and and I, I feel like i understand enough about your business that you'll like some of these stories can earn a few minutes well if you say no you, you'll say no but uh you know i'm, I'm probably going to call you again later <laughs> you know i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna stay at it but uh but my own experience is that's more disarming than than um, a more contrived um scripted dialogue at least it has been for me right yeah and i think it's just easier to hide behind that scripted 
because of the fear of failure. I mean, and, and fear of exposing yourself. I think there's something to that. It's a crutch. It really is. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that sales reps and clients often have parallel conversations. What do you mean by parallel conversations? You'll see it with spouses too, where they're, where they're, they think they're having the same conversation and they aren't, you know? Oh, that never happened. Never happens to me. <laughs> it, it happens with coworkers. It happens with employers. It happens with uh, all, all sorts of relationships where you just, you're slightly missing the point that the person is making and you're having conversations that sound like the same one, but they're not in business. When that happens, uh, you know, the client's trying to talk about something they're trying to accomplish and the salesperson's talking about equipment speeds or, you know, we can print that size or, or, or whatever, you know, they're really not on the same subject. And for my money, uh, my opinion on this is, is that printers, double down on talking about equipment and things like that, because it's what they understand. And it's again, a crutch they go to rather than the sincerity. If they were sitting there talking with their best friend, they wouldn't be talking about their equipment. They'd be talking about what the client's predicament was. And so I think a lot of those parallel conversations take place in business. I've certainly seen them. One of the luxuries uh, or benefits, I guess is a better way to say it, of being a sales manager or a, a VP of sales through the years is that you'll find yourself in a presentation with a sales rep to their client. And because you're not personally burdened with selling it, you can see when they're missing the point with each other. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll see your own sales or, or see or hear your own sales rep say something or uh, miss the point of a question that's been asked by the client. And, and because you're not under pressure to make the sale right then you can, stop the conversation and say, I think what they're asking is X, Y, Z. And the client will say, well, yeah, that's what I'm asking. what do you think I was asking? And the sales rep will be, well, oh, well, okay. Well, they're, they're not on the same subject. That's a parallel conversation, if that makes any sense. And it kind of uh, leads to another uh, saying that you, you, you brought up during a conversation we had, which was always keeping in mind what the person is buying and and i think that's sort of as analogous to the the two different um conversations that are happening you know one person for example like a brochure you know the potentially the print representative is saying they're buying brochures ten thousand brochures whereas the client is saying i'm buying 500 leads that's right you, you, that's, that's exactly right. And what, 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 what happens on the printer side, what's happening just to crawl into that print rep's life for a minute. So they don't think that I'm insensitive to that. You know, this, this rep has been crawling on his belly, begging for opportunities all day, every day for weeks, months, years, you know, that's what he does for a living. And I'm not saying he doesn't manage work. He or she doesn't manage work successfully, but, but a big piece of their life is, begging, or at least that's the way it feels to them. And all of a sudden there's somebody on the phone or somebody sent an email and they need a price. And then they're, they're like, they've identified this thing. They've put specs to it. And I need this many and I need it by this time. And what can you do for me? Well, the, the printer, the print reps that I, most print reps, their thought process doesn't go any further than the excitement they're about to have. You know, they're like, oh, wow, it's a live opportunity. They want that thing. 
and it's an unusual rep in my experience that says, well, what is it the client's trying to accomplish? Now, I don't, I don't mean what are they trying to accomplish with a color or what are they trying to accomplish with a special effect? That's, that's design stuff. And that's great. I love doing that. I love working with designers to be sure that they get their look, but somebody is about to spend money to cause an activity to happen. They didn't just say, Hey, we want some brochures. They want, as you just said, leads, or they want a certain amount of revenue. There's an expectation of that. The best print reps, in my opinion, are the ones that understand that and they start to ask questions along those lines to the client. They, they're not ignoring the specs. They're not ignoring the tangible thing that they've been asked to do. They, they're, they're still excited about that, but, but they spend some energy with the customer understanding what's causing commerce to happen in the first place and asking how they can help them make that be more successful. Well, that rep, really puts that client at ease because that client's got anxiety about more than the specs on that piece. You know, if they're like you and they're in your role, you've sold that expertise to somebody else and, and they're counting on your answer, your idea that you gave them to cause that thing to happen. You know, so if I'm sensitive to that, to you, I'm more valuable to you. Would you, would you agree with that? And that's, that's, that's what, that's what I like to see reps investigate energy in is, Hey, my contact is about to spend money for these things. And here's all the ways we can help them. You may have another set of services on the shelf that they're not aware of that would help them with some aspect of that, that you won't even know about if you just stop your inquiry at the specifications. So I, I think that discovery is very valuable. I didn't mean to ramble through that so long, but it's, it's a point I'm really passionate about. As a sales manager, how did you, how do you get sales reps to be comfortable to, to, to ask those questions, to get to that point? What worked for me is that I would just provide the language and ask them, because if you say, Hey, I want you to ask the customer why they're doing this, they, it feels intrusive. You know, the, the rep is uncomfortable. They were, they were comfortable getting the specs, but now they're uncomfortable asking these new things and this you know, Bill's not happy with the way I'm selling, you know, I'm writing business, but he's not happy with how I'm selling and it makes him uncomfortable. If you, if you ask them the way you would ask a customer and you provide them some language there, all of a sudden they're like, well, that doesn't sound like such an intrusive question. Yeah, I could ask that that way. And so sales management, good sales management, in my view, is situational guidance. And so you sit with a rep and you say, hey, this opportunity is coming your way. Why don't you have these conversations, include this language in your conversations with your client. And I think it's going to change how they see you. And, and as they do it a time or two, they're like, you know, Hey, that, that, that worked pretty good. There's less pressure on my price. Now my, my sales activity isn't just how fast I turned this quote and what my bid was. That's not the extent of my sales activity. I have a more intimate grasp of what the customer is trying to do. And I'm a bigger part of their process because of the sensitivity I demonstrated. And, and I, I can feel my value to, to the client going up. It, it, it changes the sales conversation. At least that's been my experience. You mentioned that many reps aren't great at recognizing sales triggers, uh, that, you know, the sales trigger is not necessarily price. Uh, can you give me anecdotal example of any kind there? Okay. A customer calls you to, um, 
and, and, and let me let me be fair. There there are there are projects that can get to be quite a commodity, and and so it's real hard. Um, it's harder because there aren't as many unique uh, factors in a in a commodity type project. So if somebody calls me and wants two million bill stuffers bid uh, or priced, um, you know my my charm and my 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 fun. I'm the fun the most fun person to do business with. Those things only go so far, you know. At the end of the day. They they're uh, they're they're wanting to pay a price per lead, and they're wanting to pay a certain price uh, per copy, and and uh, there isn't a big opportunity for me to interject a lot of creativity into how we solve problems, unless I just have an equipment advantage, or I've got paper sitting on the floor that I can cut a deal on, or you know something like that. So so let me be fair that those situations certainly exist in print, and. The trigger is unfortunately because it's a mature process. A lot of times it is, it is pricing or service or one of those worn out phrases. But most of the time that's not the case. And so I'll, I'll give I'll give you a per- perfect example. A company that I've uh, represented for a while and and have retired from Bit Graphics. Uh, anybody that knows that company knows they have uh, offset and digital printing. And so I, I took a call once from a an ad agency in Ohio that was trying to do business uh, or was doing business with a salt substitute company. And they wanted to do a kit that got uh, a set of a, a, a bag of crackers and a bag of potato chips that were made with a salt substitute in front of food processors in 19 different countries so that those uh 19 different decision makers could taste this this product with a salt substitute and say hey wow this is pretty good you know and this 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 might work for our some of our products or or or, or however those decisions are made in food processing land well uh, there were 19 different countries that we were going to well a lot of people could have printed the box that we put the chips and the crackers in i mean we we do have some good skills at uh, structural design, but but a lot of companies do. And anybody could have printed the variable data that has a digital press could have printed the variable data letters that uh, that went to those different decision makers and came from their specific sales rep in their their country. Clever as all that printing is, a lot of people could have done it. And so I had those conversations and I put the client at ease. And in the course of the conversation, what I discovered was that the client had great anxiety about just the ability to import food into those 19 different countries. How are we going to get food into those 19 countries and be sure that that kit got to the decision maker the right way? And and the, and the and so when we started exploring that and we started coming to what those answers were and we did what anybody would do, we picked up the phone and we called an import-export guy and said, hey, here's what we're trying to do. Talk to us about what's involved. And we got educated. We shared that education with the ad agency. Well, that project was sold right that second, not because I could print it, not because we could come up with a price that could be resold, but because we could guarantee that that food was going to get in front of those decision makers in those kits properly assembled because we could do that in 19 different countries without it getting held up by some government office. So 19 boxes, $90,000. That's a pretty good sale. 
you know, well, the sales trigger was not price, as you can as you can imagine from what I just said. It was not price. The sales trigger was not price. It was solving that uh, transportation problem. And it's my experience that on elegant jobs, it's always something other than price. You know, the sales trigger is always something else. And you're not going to know what that is if you're given a bid. If Go back to an example several questions ago. I've got these specs and I'm submitting a bid rather than asking them what are they trying to accomplish and what obstacles are keeping them up at night, what, what anxieties are keeping them up at night. If I'm focused on those things, the customer feels comfortable. And here's a, here's a tidbit for you. Um, my experience is this, is that customers don't buy when they understand the salesperson. They buy when the salesperson understands them. That's when they become comfortable. And that's, that's when they say, Hey, I can, I can release this project that I'm very nervous about to that person because he gets me. That's, that's what you're going for. And you can't do that. If you're just bidding, you've got to, you've got to dig into the, why is the customer spending money? Not what are they spending money on? And that'll tell you what the sales triggers are. It might be, uh, availability of inventory. It, 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 it might be speed to market. It might be a point of sale that lasts or does a certain thing that other solutions don't do. But whatever that answer is, will become evident if you get engaged at the right level with the client and understand what motivates them. It isn't the bid. It, it, is, it isn't the bid. That pleases an accounting person. That, that's, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't cause commerce to happen. You know, like I asked you earlier, you know, how can you develop those uh, skills in someone. And you mentioned me and, and my time in, in, in design. Gosh, there's so many things that I screwed up in my career, uh, not asking enough questions. Um, so many projects that, that tanked because you know, I just, I didn't ask those extra questions about the, the, the ultimate goal. You know, as a young designer, I made so many flops uh, and I can't imagine it must be much different for younger or inexperienced sales representatives. It's exactly the same. It's, it's exactly the same. And, and there, you know, there are people that learn faster than others, but there's just no substitute for time and, and making mistakes and saying, well, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, I, I always use the example, uh, when we're coaching reps, uh, it, this applies in so many cases I use the football game example, I'm like, you know, there's never been a play called in a huddle that was designed to lose ground. They're all supposed to move the ball down the field, right? But it doesn't always happen. <laughs> and so, so when, uh, when somebody gets tackled for a loss, uh, they go back to the huddle and uh, they don't say, well, that didn't work. Let's just walk off the field. You know, they, they look at each other and say, well, that sucked. <laughs> you know? We were first and 10, now we're second and 20 here's what we're going to try to do. You know, they look at where they are on the field and they call the next play and they say, all right, based on where we are now versus where we were a minute ago and what they're doing, here's, here's what we're going to try. And the same thing is true in sales and graphic design or, any, you know, you're like, okay, well that, that didn't sell one of those things. <laughs> what am I going to do? What do I not understand about the client? What do I not understand about the product or what motivated them to buy it? because I'm going to do a better job for that customer next time. And well, if we're not doing that, we're not, we're not bringing our best value to our customers anyway. So. No doubt. 
All right. Here's my last question for this this round. Um, it's a pet pet peeve of mine. Um, it's about printers' websites. Uh, um, you know, I've had the luxury um, working with DScoop. I I do a lot of research on all of the the members' websites, and there's a propensity to do the speeds and feeds and we're craftsmen thing. They fall back on, we're a printer, click here to order. Um, what, what do you see? What do you see? I think you're a thousand percent right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to add something to that. And I'm going to tell you that if, as a printer, hiring someone to help you do a website is hard. And here's, here's what I mean. The, the graphic design community, um, current person I'm talking with as an exception, <laughs> the, the graphic design community uh, assumes they know what the printer needs. And uh, printing is a mature process. And I don't know how many times I've sat with people I was attempting to hire um, to work on our website at a company I represented at the time. And they would, um, the, the, the design person would call somebody that bought a lot of printing to come sit in on the meeting. And then that person would go about putting everything in a pigeonhole. And I'm like, that is the last thing I want to do. I, I mean, I already know those things about my business. I already know the machine things. I don't need help writing that or coming up with pictures that tell that story. What, what I want is somebody to help me focus on the problems print solves and package that in a website, in an online brochure. Help, help me tell a story there. And, and uh, I, I am privileged to have some friends that are pretty good at that and that were good listeners. And, uh, and I didn't immediately uh, go to them with this project. Uh, you know, when I was a Attempting to do when I was attempting to do the Bennett Graphics website years ago, I ran through several sources that we had to, to, to cut the cord with just because they really were about to do exactly what you just described. And what I wanted was somebody to help me put into words that we solved the problems, you know, that we were, we were there to help with the problems print solves and not just talk about equipment and speeds and sheet sizes and really cool things. Even our case studies on the Bennett Graphics website. And I, you know, I, I'm not with Bennett anymore. I'm, I'm sharing old news there, but uh, even the case studies on the Bennett Graphics website are all told from the client objective standpoint. I, I invite anybody that watches this to go to the Bennett website and look at the case studies there that are there. And they are all told from the client objective standpoint and here's what we did to solve that problem. So when we did Bennett's site, uh, credit to the graphic designer, the marketer that helped me with that. He said, I would like to interview five or six of your top customers before we start writing this. And, and I've never had anybody ask me to do that. So I got him introduced to those customers. And when those customers shared what made them hire Bennett, I learned a lot. And, and, that all bound up in our website, you know, without their names being there, their vision of what made Bennett valuable is what we turned around and rewrote and put into our website, if that makes sense. And I don't think enough printers do that. They've got to, 
they've got a graphic designer on staff uh, or worse yet, it's a pre-press person that knows how to do some graphic design. And they're like, well, let's have them put up the website. And I'll write the copy and then you get what you just described. There's, there's way too much to that. So. <laughs> it happens in the brochures they do too. You know, it all needs to be about why it matters to you, not what it is. I guess uh last thing I'd like to do is ask uh, you for your final words of advice for everybody out there. And then uh, lastly, how people get in touch with you. Well, you know, final advice is that peculiar times like this put every relationship on the bubble. And so if you're on the outside looking in, it's an opportunity for you that isn't going to come along every, every day. So, you know, double down, uh, don't, don't, it is hard. I'm not pretending that it isn't, but make the calls, send the letters, send the samples, but work a list, make it, have a list of people that you've decided are important to you and, and work that list every day, every week, and just do it again and again and again. And as you get, have a breakthrough with one, add a new one to the list, you know, move the one that you just had a breakthrough with up into the the warm leads or prospect category and add another cold one down at the bottom and just keep adding to that. And you're going to be successful. Be, be as creative as you can be. Let your personality show in your, your emails, shoot little videos with your phone. We're, we certainly, uh, I wrote a couple little scripts for Bennett graphics. Who's doing that with some of their sales reps right now. They're, they're shooting little videos with their phones and sending them to clients to make introductions, be as creative as you can be. And show your personality. The clients will enjoy that. The prospects will uh, will enjoy that. And and uh, they they have to buy stuff. You know they they have to run their businesses, so they need what you're doing. And you will be the ones that prevail if you put in that energy. If you sit and wring your hands and say, "Wow, my business is off and it's COVID's fault," you're going to go down the tubes. You're going to struggle for a long time if that's the way you think about it. If you want to talk to me about it. I, you know, I take phone calls every day, no strings attached. I talk to people every day and, and uh, we, we brainstorm about whatever their particular situation is. Uh, I don't mind sharing my number and my web address and my email. My uh, direct dial is 770-757-5464. And my website is uh, bill-gillespie.com. It's not too hard to, if you know me, it's not too hard to remember the web address and uh, email is bill at bill-gillespie.com. And I would love to hear from anybody that would value uh, a few minutes of chatting. I would enjoy it. Well, I enjoyed it, the, these few minutes of chatting myself, so I'd really appreciate it. Me too, Chris. Me too. All right. Well, thank you for everything today. Stay well. And uh, I think we'll be talking again soon. I look forward to it, Chris. You have a great weekend. You too.